Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believers Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. My name is Duffy Henderson and I will be your new host. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and benefit of God's people. Here we hope to provide helpful, thoughtful, and most importantly, biblical material as we address everyday life questions and issues. If you find this podcast helpful, please take a few moments to share it with someone that you think would also benefit from it. Thank you again for listening in today, and may the Lord bless this podcast greatly to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth and benefit. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode today. Well, today I'm joined by Jason Rowland and Philip Castleton, uh, two of our elders here at Believers Baptist Church. How are you guys doing today? Good, Duffy. It's a, uh, a wintry February morning. Oh, it's cold today, isn't it? It is cold. It is, absolutely. I had a long drive, and I was grateful yeah. that it wasn't um, any more icy than it was. Right. That's got, right. Uh, that I got here in one piece. It my got vehicle. a little squirrely there for a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, I had I had a few slick spots the first about 15 minutes, okay. and then after that, it was not bad. Well, praise God you got here safely Amen. Uh, so that we can... Get this ball rolling. We're excited for a new uh, mini-series in our podcast, kind of kicking off this new season, speaking on the topic of worship uh, in the life of a believer, but specifically, a little bit more finer point, corporate worship, um, really what the gathered church does when it gathers. And so today, uh, let's go ahead and jump right in. I'd love to read a quote from Mark Dever's book, The Church the Gospel Made Visible, written quite a while back, but it's got some great insights, and I want to use this quote to kind of kick off our conversation today. So today, we're going to specifically ask the question, um, corporate worship, what is it? And we're going to begin this conversation by stepping back a little bit and taking a broader lens and asking the question, what is the church? And kind of getting a definition going there. So I'll read a quote here, and then I'll pass it off to Jason and get a little bit more. Mark Dever writes in his book, Uh, the church, the gospel made visible in uh, his introduction, that a congregation of regenerate members fulfilling the responsibilities given to us by Christ himself in his word, regularly meeting together, led by a body of godly elders, is the picture that God has given us in his word of his church, what he calls his household, a household bought by his own blood. He's referencing there 1 Timothy 3.15. Jason, I'd love to pass this off to you. And uh, what do you think about that definition? Well, the definition is good. And I think that we've, we immediately go to a couple of thoughts. Number one, that word regenerate that Amen. we're going to yeah. focus on in just a few moments. But also, uh, perhaps what we need to distinguish right here at the beginning is this idea of corporate worship. You use that word corporate worship versus uh, individual or private worship. And what we want to focus on is this idea of corporate worship, and that definition um, is addressing corporate worship. So private worship is something important, and private worship is something that we all do as believers, or at least that we should be engaged in that. And, And Philip, just quickly, when we say private worship, what are some of the aspects of private worship in your mind? Oh, prayer, um, you know, Bible reading, um, uh, meditation on the Scripture. I mean, these are these right. are things that right. that I think of pri- that we can do privately. Right. At, as, and I say that 
not that some of those things can't be done corporately, but you know, meditating on scripture is a, a pretty private thing. That's right. something that you know it's hard to do in a, in a corporate setting. Right. So that's what I would think. But uh, those uh, and, and a lot of these disciplines are going to carry over. Yes. But um, yes, yeah. and you can add fasting to that. Sure. You can, you can ask. You can add service to that. Be private service and, and kind of witness. Well, loving your neighbor. Right. I mean, all of those yeah. um, uh, one another um, commands in scripture right. are all ways in which we worship. Right. So that's where I think we, we make that distinction first, because what we want to address, Duffy, is this idea of getting a biblical view for the church, because that tells us who gathers for worship. Yeah, exactly. And I, I would just interject something, and I'll let you take it away, that when we say corporate worship, especially for the listener, maybe this is a new term or maybe an unfamiliar term. Um, all we're saying is uh, the you could swap out the word corporate for gathered. I like that term as well. Gathered worship. So this is removing the individualistic nature of, of worship toward God. And it's a communal gathering of believers as they worship God together, which well, serves multiple purposes. I actually think that that's an important distinction to make. And the reason is, is we, we, we drink the water of an individualistic type society and we have been hearing from our pulpits for years that um and i'm not saying there's not a truth in this but we have an individual salvation right um and and we 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 miss sometimes the corporate nature of a covenant people that god is drawing to himself um that even like first peter chapter two would would talk about i mean that's right people that are set aside um people that are being built up as stones together being put together as a spiritual house we forget that um i mean that stone is not by itself right that's right it's connected to other stones and and so forth so um you're right i think let's dispel to some extent this idea that we're all lone ranger christians we're not i mean there's a sense in which we're we're together and put together um, as um as a means of of providing a spiritual offering as as first peter 2 would say right that is acceptable through jesus christ right yeah right so staying on this topic of what is the church i think it might be helpful for us to land somewhere kind of maybe that would be helpful for our listeners very simple something that we can kind of grasp onto what what is the church and specifically the the visible church i believe definitely that one of the 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 more clear text in all of the scripture would be in ephesians chapter 2 that gives us a a clear understanding of the best understanding of the church and uh, we go back to that word regenerate that was in that uh, definition that mark dever gave us that you read just a moment ago sure and in ephesians chapter 2 the first 10 verses, we see this idea of regeneration. We see this idea of salvation. And I'm not going to read all 10 verses, but just to uh, give us a thought and to what Paul is addressing here. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so that establishes mankind in his spiritual state before God in those four verses. And there's much that we can unpack, but we won't take the time to unpack it word by word, phrase by phrase. But just the idea of regeneration it then is found beginning there in verse 4, but God. Man is dead in his trespasses and sins. He's a son of 
disobedient. He is a child of wrath. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Amen. And so this begins the idea of salvation. And so the, the church is made up of those who have been regenerated by the work of the Holy Spirit because of the work of Christ, both his life and his death. And so then the church then is um, born again, if you want to use that word, uh, born from above probably would be better, born yeah. from above believers who have been changed. They, 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 the work of the Holy Spirit has been transformational in their life. I would love to, I'd love to pass this off to Philip. Philip, would you speak to us why we want to emphasize, particularly Believer's Baptist, it's kind of in our name, but why we want to emphasize the uh, who is part of God's church and that would necessarily exclude a particular group of people, right? Well, because the necessity of picking a particular people necessitates a particular task, right? Those who are outside of this regenerating work of Christ cannot offer up the spiritual sacrifices which are due, right? In fact, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, You yourselves like living stones, this is verse 5, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable through Jesus Christ. Those who are not in Christ, have not been redeemed by Christ, regenerated by his spirit, the sacrifices they offer are not acceptable, right? So the necessity of regeneration is, is, is that even our flawed sacrifices, he's building up a people, right, to offer spiritual worship, but even our spiritual worship is flawed and can only be rightly accepted by God through the merits of Christ, right? And this particularly is seen again in... Um, in verses 9 and following of chapter 2, of, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may what? Proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Right? Light. Once again, you were not a people, but now you are God's yeah. people. Right? Because you once had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Again, we see again... It, it, Peter's making the point. You were a people that were set aside to serve your flesh, the beginning of Ephesians 2, right? Who were a people of wrath, a people who loved yourself, a people who only sought to serve yourself. But God has done a work. In his mercy, he's changed a group of people. He's drawn them out to himself. He's building them up together in, in such a way to make a nation of priests, a, a group of people for his own possession that will do what? Offer up what a priest does. Yeah. Sacrifice. Yeah. So would it be fair to say, to, to try to draw this to a close here, this portion of the podcast, would it be fair to say that the, the church is the people of God, and how we know who the people of God are are those that are born of God? Um, we see that in John chapter 3, right? So the, the church is a particular group of people. It isn't just whoever wants to come, but it is, uh, biblically speaking, the church is God's people. Right. By definition, they're the ecclesia, right? Correct. The ec 
being out of kaleo called those who are called out of something. What is that something? Well, the text we both just read is out of that which is common in this world, out of the the, the lost nature, out of the selfishness that that we were marked by our our father, the devil, in that sense, right? right. Into a new existence and a new life and a new a new um, system where our, our affections and stuff are drawn to Christ. Right. Well, there's a secondary piece to this because yeah. not only are we talking about the the vertical reconciliation that happens by God's initiative on man, God is the one who seeks man out. Sure. But but then but once that reconciliation is made, then what we have in the remainder of Ephesians chapter 2 yes. is this horizontal reconciliation. Yeah, Jason, would you take us through the end of, of chapter 2 and talk us through that? Sure. So be, beginning here in verse 11 of Ephesians 2, Paul says, therefore, that is referring back to this regenerating work that Amen. has been yes. done, yes. therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles, he's speaking to Gentile believers, that, that is the Ephesian church, that you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, that is by the Jews, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one, that is Gentile and Jew, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And then it, it continues on, and, and we'll not read the whole text, sure, but yeah. I think that sets the flavor that not only do we have this uh, vertical reconciliation, but we have this horizontal reconciliation and relationship now so that coming together, being called out as God's people means reconciliation with God, but it means reconciliation with one another with new purpose. That's right. Well, we, we have the new life. Well, it's not only reconciliation, but there is a, a, a common thing that, that is unique, right? Because he's taken uh, two different groups of people, I mean, that, that he's not even asking them to leave the uniqueness, right? The, 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 the things that make them distinct, right? Uh, their, their culture and so forth and so on. But they have something that's un- that is common between them, and it is between the two, they have one thing, and that is Christ, right? So the, um, and, and really there's a sense in which we even see that played out in um, God's giftings and so forth, right? Um, a church isn't a group of people who are exactly alike in every way. They're a group of people that have a particular thing in common, and that is that they have been bought anew and made anew in Christ. Well, yeah, and you could use the analogy maybe um, that we are the stones that have been built up by Christ on the on Him, the foundation, and that common denominator that we have is the blood of Christ that seals us and has bought us, but the Holy Spirit binds us together, right? The Holy Spirit... Is, is the is the work in us the, the the regenerating power in us that gives us this new life right so what you see in the old testament would be the idea of god's presence in a place whether it be the wilderness tabernacle that's a great point or whether it be the temple in the city of jerusalem god would dwell in that place but now god dwells with a people that's right that are called out that have been born again born from above reconciled with him and now those people are brought together with all their various experiences um, uh, status um, social abilities giftings all of those things uh, are secondary to the fact that they've got the one common uh, reality is that they've been bought 
with the blood of Christ and regenerated by the Holy Spirit so that that God now dwells with a people and now what do those people do yeah. uh, when he's dwelling with them and that may be yeah a, and that's another. a great segue that's that's uh, kind of where we want to land before we answer the question of corporate worship in a general sense uh, now we've kind of laid out what the church is or maybe who the church is so uh, <laughs> Philip would you uh, start us into this next uh, portion of the episode what would be the purpose of the church or God's people uh, well, the Westminster, Westminster Confession would say something to the effect of, um, in, uh, in, what is it, uh, to love God and enjoy Him forever, or right. something yeah. to that effect, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is exactly, I think, a, a succinct way of saying it. W- uh, what are we called to do? If we were to look at the Ten Commandments, what are we called to do? The primary thing is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like it, right? To love our neighbor as ourself. Well, in a real sense, what are we called to do? Well, that's it, right? But we don't find His law burdensome. We find it um, loving and 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 wonderful, and Amen. and we find it so. Um, and in that way, we enjoy Him uh, by obeying Him. We abide in Him by obeying Him. I actually read some text of this extent in First John. Right? I mean, the evidence right. that we belong is that we obey. But it's not a burdensome thing. I mean, it, the fact is, is Paul. I mean, Peter. I mean, I can't get it right. David says over and over, "I love." your law, right? He says this about it. It's not a thing in which we go, oh, well, I'm, I'm Jesus's now, and, um, uh, and, you know, he expects me to obey, so I guess I'll begrudgingly do it. No, the, the distinction is that we find a way to give back to God what belongs to him, right? And he tells us to obey, and we willingly want to give him the honor, the respect, the, the obedience that's due, because we recognize that, that, that he is, he's loved us. Well, yeah, and I, I love this analogy that we are grateful subjects in the kingdom of a gracious king. Mm-hmm. Amen, yes. And it is a joy to, to obey and to do his bidding, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he's laid it out for us very clearly. And uh, I guess in a nutshell, the purpose of God's people is to be on, uh, be on his mission. You could use that terminology. He has a, pr- he has a purpose. So that's that becomes our purpose, right? Well, Jason, know, would you speak? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. One, one more thing, real yeah, quick. It's amazing that we often um, take some of the the things that we see in Scripture laid out for us, and we think that they're for this life only. And I say that, for example, if you go to Romans six and you think about the fact that we were a slave to sin, now we're a slave to righteousness. But we think about that only in the practical sense of our sanctification, oftentimes. But the fact is, is that that slave to righteousness is not a, a category that changes for us when we leave this life and enter into eternity, right? I mean, forever and ever and ever, I'm going to belong to the king who has dictated to me how I should behave, and I will love it. I will be a willing, like you said, a willing slave to righteousness. Well, in one sense... uh, It's not something that's just for now. In one sense, you could say that sin is unnatural to humanity, and so we we will be living in this uh, God-designed existence, right? When he has removed that from us. And so obeying him is what we were designed to do in the first place. It should be the natural thing. That is natural. That's right. To humanity. And we have taken on the flavor of our father Adam. That's right. And we have uh, taken on that which is unnatural. This is Romans 1. That's right. That's right. And so, but that's exactly right. What I'm saying is that that's not a thing for sanctification now alone. Mm. This is the flavor and the tenor of our life from now and forever. Mm. And that's what I'm, I'm saying. There's the, there's the tension. Jason, do you have any thoughts for that? Well, yes. I mean, let's go back to the 
original thought or question. Sure, you know, yeah. The church, what is it? And what we've said, number one, it is um, made up of believers. That's right. Number two, it's relational. Mm. That is that we had this relationship, commonality. That's good. Based on Christ. And in that relationship, we can serve one another. We can pray for one another. We can bless one another. and uh, We can... Um, help one another, guard one another. These are the, the one another passages that we could read in the New Testament would give mm-hmm. us uh, clarity on that. But but the third thing that I think that we need to recognize about worship and what, what is going on within the gathered church, the believers that are related to one another in Christ, it is formational. Mm. And that is when we gather, uh, there's a purpose for gathering. It's to worship God. Amen. But in that worshiping of God, we are forming one another. That's right. We are in constant need of um, hearing the gospel from one another. And I would add a, a transformational element because we hear the gospel preached to us. And that is the means of grace that God uses in our sanctification. Yes. So formation and transformation. Yes. Both. Yes, and that, that idea of sanctification. I mean, it, it takes place within... The, the formation or what takes place within the the um, actuating of worship. Mm. When we're singing to one another, when we're praying, oh, yeah. when we're yeah. um, seeing the Word, when That's we're right. preaching the Word, um, all of these things take place, and it is that we will, as you were just talking, Philip, about the, the, the beyond this life, but in this life, it's a continual process of sanctification. That's right. Well, this is why we're told not to forsake this, uh, the assembling of ourselves together. Yeah, Hebrews 10, right? Yeah, right, and we'll get there, I'm sure, later <laughs> sure. In, a, in another podcast more specifically, but this is why, is because it... it the, the working out of spiritual gifts in general require us to be together. If we don't do those things, the, the transformation, yes. uh, even if we have a firm foundation, yes. right, yes. the transformation, the, 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 you know, uh, the formative parts of it don't work out. They, they don't, they, we, we, we stagnate minimally. You know, if we don't wither and die, these things have to be a part of us. This is why we constantly, I mean, heart beat the, beat the proverbial drum Avail yourself of common grace, the graces and the ways in which God has said that your um, your sanctification comes. Right, right. Show up, do these things, be here, be a part of them. Um, their their growth will come uh, simply by by being a uh, uh, giving yourself to those things. Well, we have to we have to remind ourselves constantly that believers need one another. We need each other. You, Jason, you mentioned that. Um, you mentioned all these ways that we can come alongside one another. God designed this uh, this way. Right. He designed us to be in community, not only with him, but with others, right. with other believers. And so that is, the, the church is where we find that um, lived out, lived in. Right, right. It's a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, and the church ultimately isn't the church without it. I mean, if you go to the first Peter text, right, he's taking these stones and he's putting them together. Yeah. And he's building a house. Yep. I mean, we, none of us are a house in and of ourselves in that sense, yeah, uh, right. There's the corporate nature of it, and that's why to abandon it is to, to, to take this picture that that Peter has laid out for us and go, uh, what do you what do you do? How how am yeah. I? Yeah. How am I singly um, and and with my limited um, capacities going to work out all that is required in the yeah. worship and service of God? If you take the household uh, model or a building structure, a nail or a two by four is nothing in and of itself. Really, it's just a resource, but it doesn't serve a purpose unless 
Um, there's another two by four that's connected to another two by four that helps to reinforce a structure and those nails pull those. Th- and so that's exactly what you're talking about. The same about. analogy that, that he gives with the body, right? I mean, what's the nose without the ear exactly. and what's the ears without the yes. hand and, yes. and, and so forth and so yes. on. And this is the analogy Paul gives us, the analogy Peter gives. We need to recognize that mm. both of these are God given to teach us something. And mm. that is we need each other. God has so given it to us for a purpose. And without you, I'm going to be deficient. That's right. And without me, you're going to be deficient. And if we don't see that, Paul says this in Romans 1, when he says, I came, I came with my heart desires. I want to go to you rather. Mm. And I want to preach the gospel so that you can grow. Better yet, so that we can mutually grow. Yes. Paul, this apostle recognizes that these people have something he needs and he has something they need. And together they can, they can benefit Mm. each other. Right. And perhaps we could take just a minute and, and think about, um, we're talking about this um, spiritual reality of the church because we're talking about it's made up of believers that have a relationship with one another. It's formational. That is, when we gather in corporate worship, it's formational. That's and, right. And then uh, we, we need to think, though, that the formation can't take place just by our own initiative or our own desires, yeah, our yeah. preferences. It has to take place uh, within the confines of the Word of God. What God right. describes and prescribes for us as to be the means for formation. You're That's looking right. way ahead, aren't you? Well, I, I, I'm just touching on it. <laughs> well, but Jason, absolutely right, yeah, though. Yeah, so Jason, I'd love... Why don't you take us... We have a, maybe five more minutes before we want to wrap this episode up. Let's spend some good time here right on this spiritual aspect of corporate formation, corporate worship that we're talking and, about. And before you start, um, think about it in the context of this, the dangers of individually trying to do that. Because there's so much, um, you leave yourself in so much danger if we step outside of God's parameters for worship. Well, we may, we, we'll, we'll touch on that in our next episode. Okay, fair uh, enough. Philip, yeah. Okay, let's let's enough. just give a, let's give our listeners kind of a, something to grab onto with this concept. You were onto something, Jason. Well, I'm just thinking in terms of, um, and I think I know what you're saying, but I was thinking more in terms of um, expositional preaching. Oh, yes. Um, yes. The idea of uh, proper practice of the uh, ordinances, particularly the Lord's Supper and baptism. Um, I'm thinking of the idea of church discipline. Um, I'm thinking of the idea of uh praying together and singing and I, these are general thoughts these would be the the marks that i think distinguish um a biblically healthy church that create the atmosphere the means for that formation yeah. so when we talk about worship we're going to talk about um the the particular aspects and nuances of worship um, which include the preaching of the word, seeing the word, reading the word, praying the word. Exactly, yeah. We'll talk about those, but I'm thinking that you can't just throw up a sign on a building and say we're a church and people come, and it be a biblical church. So you want a biblical, healthy church in order for the right formation, the right sanctification to take place uh, by the means of God's words that he has prescribed. So there are particular elements, particular markers that distinguish a church from somebody claiming to be a church. Yes. And I, I think that's I think that's fair, yes. right? I mean, right doctrine. I mean, there's lots of things, yes. right? But um, that Biblical doctrine, yeah. yes. Uh, uh, what we would hope to, expositional preaching, 
these become the marks then that uh, you can use as um, the means, the measure. Uh, for is this the church? Is this a church in which spiritual formation can take place as I gather with God's people? So, answering the question, what is the church? Uh, ultimately, what you're saying, I think, is that um, a, a church is not only a, a group of people uh, purchased for God's own possession, a people who are who are seeking uh, in 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 a corporate way to gather and and work out all these things, but it's a group of people that have come together and are 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 marked by and designated by particular elements, right? right. Which define them as a church. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I, think that you, I think that's true. Yes. And so we just want to be up front in this first episode, if we're talking about uh, worship, and this is again the second week in March of 2022 that this, is, uh, this particular episode is coming out, but we're just laying the foundation. What is a church uh, or what is the church? And what we said is believers related to one another. By the way, when we gather together, um, we really, and we've said this, but perhaps this adds some clarification, we gather together for one another. We, get, we gather together for God, and God then becomes what we typically think as the one who is watching this worship and, and giving approval of this worship. Mm. Um, and oh, that's a whole other podcast, yeah, brother. Need, don't don't turn on those jets. No, no, but we, want to, we don't want to think about it that right now. But what we want to talk, talk about yeah. is with this relational is that we're actually doing worship for one another. Yeah, we we would if if we we would do well to remember that we not only come to and participate in corporate worship to give but also to receive. There's yes. a balance between yes. we receive from the Lord, we receive from the 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 means of grace, the preaching of the word, the singing of the word, but we also come to give. Right. We give ourselves for one another and also as a living sacrifice. Romans 12. To God, yes, right. presenting uh, ourselves. It goes back to uh, the Hebrews 10 passage, don't mm. forsake your assembly. It Amen. goes back to yeah. that. Amen. Well, that really, idea. we've answered two questions here. We've answered what is the church and what is a church. And those are two different things. But, Correct. But because the statement you were just making about the elements is really yeah. answering the question, what is a church? Yes. Versus who is the church or what is the church? Right. And, um, those are both, but they're both important because they're inseparable in a real sense. And I, and only reason I'm making that distinction is I was thinking as you were talking about that, what is a church has to be distinguished from who is the church or what is the church in this sense. We could all, a, a multitude of us could gather together. Um, being marked by um, the regenerating work of Christ, we could be gathered together at a football game, and that wouldn't be a church. That's right. Mm-hmm. It would be the church, but not a church. A church is marked by particular things that's that, right. that that's make right. them distinct, and that's why when you started going that, I was thinking, I think we're really answering two different questions. Well, sure. exactly, and and that's what I was trying to do though is is take the broader idea and narrow yeah. narrow it down, sure, uh, so that we can now focus on. Worship. In well, yes, the that's local right. Church. And and here's where here's where we want to end today's episode is that we can't uh, answer the question what is corporate or gathered worship biblically before we answer the question of what is a biblical church, and that that question follows from that. So, um, listeners, wherever you are, um, we're we're going to continue this conversation over the next several episodes to the month of March. Um, We're going to get into more detail. We are so thankful that you have listened to today's episode. Um, And that's it for us for today. Thank you once again for taking the time to listen to the Asking for a Friend podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you. And until next time, grace and peace be with you all.